and just ask the Lord to bless this message. Lord, we want to ask you to just anoint these words this morning, that they would come across with your heart and your wisdom. Thank you for Pastor Tony's message, Lord, that there is a building project going on inside of our lives. You're building us up in Ephesians 4 as an edifice to the glory of God for a habitation of the Holy Spirit. And bless this message. Make it practical for us today. In Jesus' name. Further the transformation process in our life that we can be more like Christ. To experience his power and his resurrection in our day-to-day lives. And just free our minds from the cares of this week. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. If you will turn with me to Amos chapter 3. Amos chapter 3, and I'd like to read one verse together as we consider Amos 3, verse 3, which says, How can two walk together unless they be, what? Agreed, right? Can two walk together except they be agreed? That's the question that the prophet Amos gives to the people of Israel, the nation of, is- of, of Israel, God's nation. And then he mentions something a little later in verse 7, which says, Surely the Lord will do nothing, but he will reveal his secret unto his servants, the prophets. Surely the Lord will do nothing, but he will reveal his secrets to the prophets. And what does that mean? It means that today the Lord has information about a personal plan that He has for each one of us today. A plan that is very personal and it's very exciting. And the question here is, is that God may have a plan for us But can we walk in that plan unless we are agreed with the conditions that God has laid for us to walk with him? And I think that people never experience the filling of the Holy Spirit to the measure they could because we become too satisfied with the things of the world. We become too full. You ever eat a big meal and then there's an awesome dessert and you just have no room for the dessert? I think that can happen with us, with this world system, that we become so filled with what the world has to offer, the entertainment, the, uh, the stimulation of the world, that we never have an appetite. We are too full and too too distracted to be filled uh, in our need for God. The Holy Spirit is, in John chapter 14, our comforter. He is our companion. The Holy Spirit is the part of the Trinity that witnesses with our spirit that we are the sons of God. It's what makes God real in our life. It's what takes the Bible and makes it living words in our life. That's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not an it, and it's not a ghost, but it is a person. 
let's say personality, it is God himself, it is God's spirit. And the believer, when you and I are saved in Ephesians chapter 1 and many other portions, 13 and 14 of chapter 1, we are sealed with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit baptizes us at that moment. We are sealed with the Holy Spirit. That sealing comes, and many times we don't even realize that we've been sealed like an envelope. Our soul and our spirit has been sealed like an envelope with a potion stamp on it with an address that is an address in heaven that can only be opened by God. And so you and I are sealed by the Holy Spirit. We are not sealed with the spirit of the world. We are not sealed with a covenant that is from any other place but heaven itself. We are sealed. That's a beautiful thing that our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Think of that. You know, the devil wants to make everything so familiar, so common, so used, so humdrum, so boring. The devil wants to make very sacred things in our lives very common and very flippant. You know what I'm saying? He wants to make authority to be to come down to a point where, where there is no respect for authority. He wants to make uh, sacred things in our life like marriage, the family, mom and dad, kids, grandkids, uh, prayer for our leaders in our country. He wants to make things that are very sacred, secular, and he wants to kill the sacredness of your life and your calling, right? He wants to to destroy the sacredness of your physical body. The Holy Spirit is holy. And I think a lot of people are afraid of that word today because, and um, I forgot this one thing. Kim wanted to listen to the message this morning. Can someone call her and we just put the phone right here and she can listen to the message? Sorry about that. Um, The Holy Spirit, Kim's got a, bad back today so she couldn't join us she wanted to hear the message the Holy Spirit is holy and he wants to fill the temple our temple and the filling of the Holy Spirit is critical it is it is absolutely necessary for our Christian life it is impossible to live the Christian life without being filled with the Holy Spirit do you know what I'm saying if we are not filled, we are what? Empty. empty. <laughs> wow, that's huge, isn't it? Yeah. Like, if I'm not filled, I'm empty. If I'm not filled with food, I'm hungry for food. If I'm not filled with love, I'm empty and starving for... What am I starving for? Love, love substance, content, maturity. <clears throat> the devil wants you and I to live in knowledge alone. What I know about God, right? Some of us, how many of you have been believers longer than two or three years? Right? Okay, it's very easy for all of us in this room to live by knowledge alone. What I know about God, what I know about the Bible, but not to live in a moment-by-moment filling of the Holy Spirit. And the filling of the Holy Spirit happens very simply, and I'm going to talk about it in a minute, but... Many, many, many believers today, and maybe including some of us, live our lives without the filling of the Holy Spirit. The filling of the Holy Spirit in Ephesians 5 verse 18 is critical. 
Because if I'm not filled with the Spirit, then I'm going to become intoxicated with the wine of this world. I'm going to get intoxicated with the entertainment uh, centers of this, of this world. I'm going to get intoxicated with the details of my life. I'm going to get intoxicated with my needs, other people's needs. I'm going to get intoxicated with my problems. I'm going to get intoxicated with the political situation of the world today. You know, today in Ukraine, it's a very serious situation that you've been following. I've been talking with the people, our leaders there in Ukraine. And some, you remember some of them, don't you? They were here speaking in our church. Some of them, some of their churches are, you know, some of their cities that they live in are in danger right now of, of just conflict and confusion. And um, Odessa, where we have a church, uh, two days ago, 40 people died just in riots and um, just craziness. And uh, the pastor there, Pastor Sasha, I spoke with him and uh, people are doing okay and it's just, a, it's just a very turbulent time right now and we should pray for that country. But it would be very easy to become so intoxicated with the political situation there that we would forget about God. And I don't want to make light of it, but if I'm not filled with the love of God, I'm going to be filled with fear. And so William Booth said this. Now, William Booth was the founder of the Salvation Army. How many know who Salvation Army is? And you know that that was founded by a great man of God, William Booth. He was, he was a great preacher and a great servant of God. He had a heart. And when he started the, the, um, the organization Salvation Army to raise up young men, to reach communities, and to preach the gospel and to live for Christ. But as with many great movements of God, things can crystallize when we drift away from the word or from the grace of God. But he said this, the chief danger that confronts the coming century will be religion without the Holy Spirit, Christianity without Christ, forgiveness without repentance, salvation without regeneration, politics without God, and heaven without hell. These are very true words today, aren't they? This is happening today, isn't it? We have a, a message about forgiveness, but there's no, repent, there's no repentance or change of mind. There's no, a, there's no change of mind. There is a philosophy today that, uh, which we don't agree with, but they, that teaches that you don't have to even ask for forgiveness because God has forgiven you. Well, the Bible tells us in 1 John 1, 7 that we confess our sins to God and that he is faithful and just to forgive us. So the Holy Spirit wants to fill us. And without the filling of the Holy Spirit, as Pastor Tony was saying earlier, we live in the energy of the flesh. And we live with a deficit. You ever try to work all day without having a good breakfast? How do you feel? <laughs> deficit, right? I don't know. If I'm going to work hard, I'm going to eat a good breakfast. You know, ask Donna, ask many, ask Bill, those, those people here that work hard physically. Carl, all of us work hard physically, I think. Uh, Pastor Tony, for sure. How does your day go without a good breakfast? Deficit, right? Functioning on adrenaline, you don't feel good. And that's how it is in our Christianity without the filling of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is easily grieved. Now, I want to say briefly here, the sin against the Holy Spirit is, that is unforgivable. Sometimes people ask that question, what is that? 
the sin against the Holy Spirit that is unforgivable is very simple. It is that initial work of the Holy Spirit in anybody's life to lead them to salvation. And if a person is sinning against the Spirit, then they never get saved. They never experience salvation. They never come to that point in John 14 where the Holy Spirit convicts and leads them to salvation. And so there is, they never experience forgiveness. And that is why that verse says that sinning against the Spirit um, is the unpardonable sin. Another meaning of that verse is, is that Jesus said that about the Pharisees that were listening to him to speaking. And the Pharisees were rejecting what Jesus was saying. And he said, you are living in an unpardonable sin. And that means that if the Holy Spirit never enters into a person's life for salvation because of asking Christ to be their Savior, then they never experience pardon for sin. They are unsaved. So that's what that verse means. But the Holy Spirit can be easily grieved, and he can be quenched. I remember as a kid, sometimes we had birds. You know, a lot of times we have birds that were just, you know, in our yards flying around. And as any kid, we'd chase the birds, right? We'd try to sneak up on the bird and... And, and I've never caught a bird. I don't know if anybody here has ever caught a bird. But, um, you know, you sneak up and they're easily scared. And that's the same thing with the Holy Spirit, that it would be very easy to grieve the Holy Spirit because it's, he's very sensitive. Something that we see, something that we hear, anything that is outside of God's grace is the flesh. And that grieves the Holy Spirit. When I live in my flesh, I'm grieving the Holy Spirit. Uh, I'm grieving his love towards me. And at that moment, I'm not hearing from God. And I, I think nine times out of ten, or 99.9% of the time, when we grieve the Holy Spirit, we don't even know it. And that is why we have to, like David did, three times a day, he went to God. He cried out to God, and he said, God, he said, I need you. I hunger and thirst after you. And when, when we are in control of our lives, we are grieving the Holy Spirit. I want to pause here for a minute and look at um, Galatians chapter 5. And I want to bring this down to a very practical level. Galatians chapter 5. And I don't want us to feel condemned today at all, but I want us to realize that the Holy Spirit wants to be our companion. He wants to speak to us. He wants to lead us. He wants to give us spontaneous wisdom, spontaneous power, spontaneous information, the spontaneous discernment about people, about your family. God wants to give you discernment about your family because he wants you to be a man of God and a woman of God in your family. He wants you and I to be people of God where we have God's minds in our families, whether we are parents or not. I remember that I got saved in my family and no one else in my family was, was following God. And I remember that my salvation caused... Uh, like a revival in my family because I started reading my Bible and I started getting, getting excited about God's plan and going to church. And, and, and you can do that too. The filling of the Holy Spirit can only happen in our lives when, when we do a couple things. And I just want to read this here in Galatians chapter 5 and verse 18. But if you be led of the Spirit, you are not under the law. Let's read this in a different this a different version, the Amplified. But if you are guided by the Holy Spirit, you are not subject to the law. Now, what does that mean? It means that when you and I are filled with the Holy Spirit, He is leading us, and people, God does not have to tell us all the time 
what to do. Because the Holy Spirit is in us, his quickening the word of God in us, and we have his minds in Philippians 2, 5, and 6. Isn't that better? Like, have you ever had, have you ever been working somewhere and you don't know what to do and someone has to tell you every three minutes what to do? Okay, now do this, now do this, now do this. It's not a pleasant experience. But if you have in your mind already what your boss wants and what is going on, then that's already in you. And you know what to do and you're functioning according to that. That's what God wants in our Christianity, that we would live with a filling of the Holy Spirit, a quickening of the Word of God so that we would know His will. It says here that, um, verse 17, the flesh lusts against the Spirit and the Spirit against the flesh, that these are contrary one to another so that you cannot do the things that you would do. What this verse in verse 17 is saying is that it's impossible for me to live in my flesh and to be a Spirit-filled Christian. It's impossible for me to live in the entertainment and stimulation of my old sin nature and to have the mind of God. That was Samson's problem, wasn't it? Samson was a man of God. He was chosen by God to be a judge of Israel. But he had a weakness. He had a weakness with women, and especially with Delilah. And that never got dealt with in Samson's life. And so when that moment came for God to move and for God to work, he was not ready. And the Philistines, their enemy, his enemy, Took, took control of him, took him into captivity, and he lost his eyesight. And this is, what, um, this is what we want to avoid, because as a believer, the Holy Spirit, it cannot coexist with the flesh, and the flesh cannot coexist with the Holy Spirit. The flesh is always being challenged by the cross, and when you and I live in control of our life, and we try to do the work of the Holy Spirit. When I'm trying to control things in my life, and that's what the flesh always wants to do, back in the day, they had this saying, let go, let God, and a lot of people got tired of that. Um, I think it's a great statement, although I don't want to say it a lot. We just let go of the control factor in our life, and we just let God work. Let God fill us. Let God lead us. You know, we have lots of plans for the next few months, but... We want God to lead us. We want God to fill us. We want God to quicken us for his heart for people in this area. When we try to control our lives, we do, we do four things. Number one, we try to gird ourselves up. Remember how Jesus said to Peter in Matthew 16, when you were young, you girded yourself. And I think that we could very easily gird ourselves up with our knowledge about God and our fervor for God. And when we gird ourselves up, we're, we're leading. We're, we're taking the steps. We are, we are we're, we're calling the shots. And we try to gird ourselves. And then when we do that, when we, we try to meet our own needs. And every one of us in this room have needs. Every believer, every Christian has a need externally and also internally. We have psychological needs. We have needs in our soul for companionship, for love, for, late, for a relationship. The world is always going to propose to you at seemingly very uh, eerie, coincidental times a, a relationship or something that, or, or a provision that could be very much a seemingly a provision for our needs at that moment. But we have to be careful because if we take the world's proposition 
in a relationship, then it always ends in pain when we try to meet our own needs. And then thirdly, we try to direct our own paths. You know, Jeremiah 10, 23, it says that a way of a man is not in himself. That's why we always have to be careful in our choices, no matter how long we've been walking with God, that every decision be bathed in prayer. Every thought be prayed over, like just prayed over, prayed over, prayed over. And then then when it seems like it's really like, okay, I'm sure about this, pray about it again. And pray about it again and think about it and just let God close doors. Because when we get when we give God the the, the the right in our life to veto our decisions, then God's always going to give us the best. And that's the problem. I see this happen all the time with people. Is that people don't let God veto things in their life because uh, it looks good, but it's not God. You know how the word good is so close to the word God in the English language? Good things can so easily look like God, but it's not. It's a different spelling. It's a different word. It's a different thing. It smells different. It's, it's not supernatural. And that's why we have to wait on the, natural, the supernatural hand of God. We get on our knees and we get before God and say, God, my life is not my own. I have been bought with a price. I am your servant. I am your child. You have the best for me. I said to Pastor Shallow the other day, I have no idea like what is, what what I'm supposed to do in my life in the sense of making all these plans. All I know is that God is ordering our steps one step by step. Because we can't trust our own hearts in Jeremiah 17 verse 9. We can't trust our own hearts. And sometimes our heart can be very, very close and very, very similar to the voice of God. But that's why we prove all things. Because you know something? When we make a mistake and we follow our own way, it always ends in like, how did I get here? And my gosh, wow, what a situation I'm in. We direct our own paths. And then and lastly, in that direction, we do not know our own way. We just don't know where we're going. So Amos 3 verse 3, the Lord, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is saying this actually in Amos 3 verse 3. He's saying to us, how can you and God walk together unless you be agreed, unless there be an agreement? For example, if I want to go today to Boston, well, let's not say Boston. I've been watching too many sports, sports today. Boston Bruins, all these guys, Boston. Let's say if I wanted to go to, what's this city? We should, if, I want, if I wanted to go to, well, I don't want to go to Chicago. Uh, Albuquerque. If I wanted to go to Albuquerque, that's a good place. I've never been there. If I want to go to Albuquerque, then what do I do? Uh, if I have another friend that's going to go there, then what do we do? We have to be in agreement on how, on number one, where is it? And number two, how to get there, right? And how are we going to get there? Like suppose Don and I want to go to Albuquerque. You know, Don's got his idea and I got my idea. And then Pastor Tony's got his idea. How are we going to get there if we're not, how are we going to get there if we're not in agreement? We have to be in agreement, number one, to to understanding uh, the purpose. And that, that requires surrender to God. You know, a daily surrender. Like, surrender. Because it's like when you get married, many, many times people get married and they have nothing in common. And I just want to say something about marriage that um, I remember a story, something that happened to me uh, in, a, in, a, in a church that I was pastoring. And, you know, there was... 
you know, a person that this guy wanted, he just had his, he had a real great need, you know, and really wanted to be married, and he had dated a lot of women, and, and, uh, and it was always just outside of wisdom, and it was always outside of God's timing and counsel, and he always wound up just in a lot of pain, and, and he was really in control of his life, and he, he had, he was dating a girl, and I, we didn't know anything about it, I didn't know anything about it, and he came to me as a pastor, he said, would you marry us? And I said, well, I, you know, I love you, I said, but, but there is a process. Um, number one, who is she, and is she born again? That's a very, I mean, before you, that's a huge question right there. Is this person born again? And number two, are they in a church, and not only any church, but are they in your church? Because how can you and another person have a marriage of intimacy and direction and goals and 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 um, kids when there's no similarity in your spiritual vision as a married couple in a church. Do you know what I'm saying? How can that happen? And, and, uh, and I just said, I'm sorry. I, I, if this person is going to be, if she's going to be in our church, we'll go through a, a, a series of counseling with you, and uh, you'll get some counseling. We'll work together. We'll, we'll make sure that you know she's born again, and then she can... We'll do her wedding, you know, do your wedding um, with great joy. Because how can two people walk together unless they've surrendered to God and letting him be our chooser? Number two, we have to agree on the destination. What is God's destination in our life? And that is Christ-likeness. The Holy Spirit, when he fills us, is not demanding us to be holy first. That's the thing that people sometimes think that, okay, before the Holy Spirit fills me, which can happen, which just happens in a second. It's not something hugely, it can be amazing, but sometimes it's just a quiet conviction of God's presence in my life. And that can only happen when I stop trying to qualify for the Holy Spirit's filling, but surrender to the finished work. You know, sometimes we wake up in the morning, we just feel guilty. We just feel, or... In the afternoon, we come home from work. We just don't feel good. We just feel like dirty or something. And at that moment, we just have to go to God and say, Lord, I surrender to you. I'm not the most, per- I'm, I got a thousand flaws and then 10,000 more that I don't even know about. But I just surrender to your finished work that I'm clean. I'm loved. I'm holy. I'm, a, I'm an acceptable sacrifice, a new creation. And when we surrender to that, we start thinking with God and the Holy Spirit fills us and quickens us. And then in a moment, we're okay. We're okay. You know, sometimes we just have to say to, the, to everyone, you know what, I just need to take a break, and I'm going to go to that back room there, and I'm going to have a little time with God, and I'm filled with the Spirit, and I'm going to get God's mind. And then sometimes we have to do that. We have to have a little room or a little place in our life that we can get away with God. And so number one, filling with the Spirit begins with surrendering to God and His finished work. Number two, we agree on a destination. What's God's destination for you? I want to do something great for God. I want, to be, I want to be great for God. God, when he fills us, is not filling us to make us more famous. He's not making us, he's not filling us to be more blessed. He's not filling us to be more like another person. The Holy Spirit's not filling us to 
to make us rich or to make us popular or to make us right. He is filling us to make us like Christ. That's what he's doing when, when the Holy Spirit fills us. He's making us Christ-like. You know, I think about Charter Arms and I think about the folks over there. And, you know, I know it's not easy all the time. But you know what? You guys are walking with God and you're filled with the Spirit, you know. And you have the mind of God and you're going about your day there filled with the Spirit. And your, your life is speaking to people there. Because we're filled with the Spirit. And we walk in the Spirit. And then lastly, once we agree on our destination, we agree with God on our destination... Then, number three, we agree on the road that takes us there. What is the road that we agree with God on that takes us to Christ-likeness? What is that road? What is the name of that road? Huh? Faith, right? What is, what's that road? Faith, and it, there's, a big, there's a big word on that road there. In Spanish, it's Via Dolorosa. Yeah. It's the road to Calvary, right? Faith. Faith in that cross that, that saved me. Faith in that cross that made me righteous. A road where I walk by faith and not by sight. And that's the theme of this month, by the way, the month of May. Faith, walking by faith. Being filled with the Spirit and thinking in faith for yourself and for other people. Thinking for, in faith for your family. Because if we live in the Spirit, we do not live in the flesh and we know, what the, we know what the flesh is, don't we? In, in Galatians 5, verse 19, the works of the flesh are made manifest, which are these adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like of which I tell you before. Because... You know what, when we live in the Spirit, when we walk by faith in our life and we walk with a vision and we're thinking with God as a new creation, we're not living in these things. We're not living in immorality. We're not living in strife and pettiness about little details like, you know, my socks are the different color. I'm going to have a bad day today. But we live with a vision in our life and we live filled with God because if I'm a believer, if I say that I'm a believer and I'm living in the flesh all the time and I'm living in drunkenness and immorality and I'm living in variance and gossip. You know, we got to be so careful about gossip. Our times when we're together, when we're talking with people, do not gossip. Don't talk about other people. And if somebody wants to talk to you about somebody, just say, hey, can we not talk about this person when they're not here? Because we all love that person, don't we? And we don't know, but... Let's exalt Christ in the conversation. Amen. And when we live in faith and in the spirit, we don't want that stuff in the world, do we? Because we understand what it took us there before. We went down that road before and we know it's at the end of that road. And it's just pain and ridiculousness and regret and loss of friendship and loss of relationship. And I'll just finish with this. I can't know that I'm a born-again Christian for sure. If I can live for years in sin, I, I just can't know that. Are you, am I saying you can lose your salvation? No. But I'm just saying that if I'm a born-again Christian and I live like, a, live, like, a, live like, a, like the world does, like nonstop, without any chastisement in my life or without any conviction, then I, can I... It says this right here. It says, 
says that they that do such things, and by the way, this is in the Greek, a present tense continuous, which means it's a continual action in their life, not just once or twice, but a continuance. They that do such things cannot inherit the kingdom of God. What that is saying, and I'm going to close with this, is that the Holy Spirit in our life convicts us. And I love those convictions, don't you? I love it when I mess up and the Holy Spirit just comes in and just convicts me. I just love that. I'm just like, you know why? Because it tells me that I belong to somebody. It, it tells me that I belong to a loving God that loves me and values me and that has a plan for my life and that has a direction for my life. Isn't that awesome? Because if there was no conviction in our life, then God, then who, how could we say that we're loved? How can a father, Hebrews chapter 12, not discipline their child if they love them? I love conviction because I want the companionship of the Holy Spirit in my life. And I was praying yesterday and then this morning, I was like, God, please, please anoint us in our church. Please be present in our meetings. Please be present in our fellowships. Please be present in our vision. Please anoint us. Please bless us. Because if not, then who wants to do it? <laughs> God's not going to be in it. Then, you know what I'm saying? And God is in this. God is, in, God is in this. And I'm so encouraged to see God bring people like Pastor Tony and Kim and, and, and Don and others and Pastor TJ and, and Carl, others that are just jumping on board and Aggie. And I could say everybody's name here. There's no one that I could leave out. Clara, you know. And I, it's so awesome because it tells me that God has a plan, doesn't it? Yeah. It tells me that when God adds people that have gifts and have abilities and vision tells us that God has a plan and he's moving us in a direction. Let's walk by faith, filled with the Spirit, and be quick to discern those times when we, when we grieve the Holy Spirit. And we can grieve the Holy Spirit in our conversations with our mate. That would be so easy to do. And, and sometimes when that happens, I just say, my wife and I both know we just, we're just like, we know how to, we just put the brakes on. We don't, we're not argumentative people. But, you know, anyone could be. But we just put the brakes on. We're just like, you know what, this is, we're just like, we just kind of laugh. And we're just like, this is not important. We can talk about this later. And it doesn't matter who's right and who's wrong, I, you know. Nine, it's probably I'm wrong. <laughs> when you're a husband and you just, you know, if you're a husband, good thing to remember is, say, you know, good thing to learn how to say is, is uh, you know, I'm right. <laughs> no, 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 no. Be quick to be quick to uh, confess your 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 mistakes and you know be the victim because I think I'm not a pro in this but I think your wife will have compassion on you when you appear to be the victim. There's just something about me that is made in the woman's psyche that when she sees the strong husband who's always powerful is humbled himself and is weak and meek. I know there's something in the woman's psyche, and I don't, I'm not a woman, so I don't know if this is right or not, but it seems this way, and she'll just, oh, honey, are you okay? You know, you know what I'm saying? The compassion that's in a, in a woman and a mother. Yep. So just a few things there. We're all growing. I hope this is a challenging message. I hope we walk out of here with Lord. Fill us with your spirit. Quicken us, because what we want the best in our life. We don't want the trash from the world system that looks great and that has an extra O to it, but it's not God. You know what I'm saying? Amen. Let's just go for God, grow with God, and, and um, 
Now at this point, we want to have communion. 